What do you do when your child is sick and your doctor recommends surgery? Do you take his advice? Do you ask for a second opinion? Do you try to find answers on your own? Do you try to schedule the procedure as soon as possible in order to fix the problem? What do you tell your child? This is the story of one father who had to answer those questions. What he found scared him, frustrated him, and later surprised and dismayed him, left him looking for more answers in direct care. From the Freedom HealthWorks Network, this is Healthcare Americana. Today's podcast is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks, a company on a mission to turn healthcare delivery on its head. It works to support all physicians who are interested in direct care, cutting out insurance companies from their practices, and to spread the word of this model to everyone, including employers. For more information on direct care, visit freedomhealthworks.com and by the great people at the Free Market Medical Association. They're connecting true buyers and sellers of healthcare, educating and motivating them to work together based upon mutually beneficial relationship, which is also built on three pillars, price, value, and equality. For more information, visit fmma.org. And now, here's your Healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Christopher Habig, and this is Healthcare Americana. Today, I'm joined by Benjamin Hyatt, a father of two and a software sales executive. Ben, thanks for coming over. Sure thing, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, you have a baby at home, Elizabeth, who was about one year old when this story took place. And is as every parent's fear, fear is the right word for that one, the little one had some problems with her ears early on. And I'd like for you to tell us how you learned about this and the conversations you've had with your doctor. Yeah. So first of all, you're in a state of, uh, of um, little sleep, I guess you could say you're in, you're in a state of, of uh, uh, sleep deprivation, right? Because the, you know, they're crying and they're up at night and stuff. And so you want to get it taken care of right away. It's painful, you know? And so you do the whole thing where um, you do multiple uh, courses of antibiotics uh, because, um, you know, that's what's required to get the infection out of there. But if you hit a certain threshold of times, you need to do something, something more. And so that's kind of the point that we reached was the doctor recommended surgery. So you have your daughter who's less than one years old at the time of this and struggling with that and a lot of pain. You are not a doctor. You've not trained medically, don't know what to do. And so you go to your doctor and the doctor recommends, well, looks like we need to have surgery. We need to have tubes put in her ear. Yep. Yep. That's right. Now, just to kind of clarify something uh, for the audience out there, uh, if you're not familiar, tubes in the ears, usual what I'm going to consider a simple procedure. I don't like saying that because no surgery is minor, no surgery is simple, but these tubes allow air to get to the middle ear, aiding pressure equalization and allows drainage of infections and gives easy access for parents like you to put medications uh, if needed to help fight any type of infection within the ear. So... Once your doctor recommended getting tubes put in her ear, Mm -hmm. what'd you do? Yeah, I mean, the way that it was described was very, what do I want to say? Like, it was no big deal. It was like, yeah, this happens with a lot of kids. Uh, No big deal. It's a very minor procedure. And you want your daughter to get relief, right? So let's go ahead and do this. And I mean, what, what father or mother wouldn't want to help their daughter who's in significant pain, you know, have some relief from that. So of course we just said, yeah, absolutely. We'll go, we'll go see the recommended ENT and, and get it done. So you made it sound like it was about as natural as taking a breath. Yeah, absolutely. There was no, I mean, they, they did mention that, um, there'd be 
anesthesia involved and she'd have to go under for the procedure. But, you know, very simple, no big deal. You know, made it sound like a couple stitches or a, a splint on a, you know, sort of minor of a thing. Did you find that calming or reassuring that they didn't think it was that big of a deal? It was calming and reassuring. Yeah. Until I got the bill, but. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to ask this. So once you got this recommendation, describe that process. Did you ever have to look at other options? what did you do from what I'm going to consider more of a patient or a consumer standpoint once you got this recommendation? Yeah. So this was my big shortcoming in this whole process and not something I thought through enough and something I'm definitely going to think through more in the future. I was, first of all, not quite as involved as I should have been because my wife is a stay-at-home mom and she is able to take the kids to appointments and all that. And I feel pretty comfortable with her managing that most of the time. And so hearing her synopsis of what the doctor said uh, gave me gave me the impression that's like, yeah, go, you, we can go take care of this, whatever the, wherever the doctor recommends and this will be fine. Let's just go to the CNT and and go through the process. So it never even crossed your mind that, hey, you know, you hear about second opinions on all those uh, fun doctor shows on uh, on yeah. TV, and no. and you hear other people talking about it. If they don't like the diagnosis or they don't like the treatment plan, I'm going to go get a second opinion. But something like that never even crossed your mind as no. what, what I would consider, you know, a, a relatively new father with little ones. And so the experience isn't there. And the first one hadn't really had any ear infections. He had had like one, his whole his whole career. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, this was, this was something we weren't used to. And I mean, we knew lots of people that had gone through tubes and ears. My brother Ryan had to have them when he was younger and stuff like that. And so we thought, you know, no big deal. Let's go for it. Did you ever think to ask uh, your parents if your brother had this procedure a, long, a while ago? <sighs> we might, we might've, I don't know. We might've, but you know, again, the whole, the whole thought process was like, Oh, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's a simple procedure. Mm-hmm. A couple hundred bucks. Yeah, your your doctor has your best interests in mind, so right, right. why not why not take their advice on this? So, you're going through this. How did you decide to use this surgeon? It, there there wasn't a whole lot of a decision process. Really, we were just recommended a a surgeon, or maybe a practice from our uh, primary care provider for the kids for our, from our pediatrician, and we just went there, and that was it. Was it in the same hospital network or employer? It was, uh, network? Yeah. yeah. It was in their yeah. network. And we see that a lot. It's not uncommon, but uh, I always find it interesting to see, you know, if physicians are freely exercising their ability to refer out of system, if they really think that the best physician might not work within my hospital system or best surgeon might not work here, but I know somebody down the street who could really, really take care of you. So I always like to get the opinion and get and ask that question to see, what are the true motivations sometimes? Because sometimes you have to dig a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you have this recommendation. You know what surgeon you're going to go use. Mm-hmm. What did you know about the price of this procedure? Absolutely nothing. And in hindsight, that alarm bell should have been going off. But no, I just, I unfortunately made assumptions. Really. I didn't even price check on any websites or anything like that. I definitely should have. But I also feel like I should have been given some heads up, I still would have done the procedure. I probably just would have done more research and explored my options. You know, like I'm going to do what's best for my daughter. Absolutely. But I just wish that I would have been given some sort of, of information from the people I'm buying the service from. Right. Which seems like a normal thing. I wish I would have been given some kind of financial information, but even when I have asked in the past, the answer always seems to be, well, it depends. 
Sure. No, I get it. What do you think? Would you have a number in mind, like a ballpark of, okay, this procedure should cost about? Yeah, I thought maybe a couple hundred bucks, maybe as much as like 500 bucks or something like that. Which turned out not to be the case. No, 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 not, not, not 500. It was uh, actually our out of pocket was in the 3000 range, probably getting pretty close to four by the time it was all said and done. By the time we paid all the physicians that were involved in the facility and all that. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to take a step back. So uh, your daughter's less than a year old. You have an older child at home. Mm-hmm. Did you have any conversations with either of them about what's going on or what's going to happen? I mean, James might have been a little bit worried for his baby sister. We might have talked about that a little bit. Annie and I, we were. For sure, because anytime your little baby is going to be put under on on anesthesia, it doesn't feel good. Right. It's scary. And again, going back to that, you're incredibly vulnerable here with trying to get your baby to feel better, get them healthy again. And so you think that, hey, this this doctor, this medical system has my best interests. Yeah. From a family's perspective, from a financial perspective, and from a care perspective. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I I would say definitely I operate under, under those assumptions. Gotcha, gotcha. So fast forward, you're at the surgery center. How'd the day of surgery go? What'd that look like? It was uneventful. I mean, I actually wasn't even there when the procedure was was performed. If we do it again, I'm I'm definitely going to be there. I don't think that was necessarily the right thing. But I was with Annie and Elizabeth before they left and gave them a big hug and Prayed well, for again, him. It was no big deal, right? It's a simple, it's a simple uh, surgery. Yeah, we had no expectations that there would be any complications. And in talking with Annie and getting the updates and stuff, it seemed like it was, you know, they were bringing her back into the room and then they were wheeling her out like within a couple minutes. It was a very, very quick procedure. Um, and then, you know, she spent a little bit of time waking up from the anesthesia, spent about 10, 15 minutes in the recovery room and they were heading home and she was happy and playing later that day. Good, good. Yeah, my next question is, you know, walk us through the the post-surgery. So it sounded like things went very smooth. You're in the recovery room for a few minutes and then Mm -hmm. she was, not necessarily back on her feet, but at least moving around, crawling around. uh, She was fine. uh, And happy little baby time, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it sounds like that's when the fun started. So that's when the bills showed up. Yeah. What was that like? Well, it was interesting I mean, it took some time, so the experience wasn't necessarily fresh in my mind uh, by the time the bills actually started arriving, but yeah, they came in one at a time from the different organizations and physicians and that needed to be paid, and <laughs> every time I, I paid one, I kind of thought, oh, maybe that's it, <laughs> and then another one <laughs> another one would come, and, and finally, I believe the facility uh, bill, the, the hospital bill was the last one, and it was the big, by far the biggest, just a, a huge... So who was sending these bills? Where do they all come from? Yeah, I mean, different, you know, the the ENT practice. I think the anesthesiologist had a practice, the area health provider that we selected. So various organizations. Was that a confusing process, I I guess? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Compared to other things, you know, we had been through labor and delivery twice, so we kind of kind of knew about some of those grace yourself a little bit before you really jump in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, compared to certainly other things. Yeah. It's confusing. Like, am I done now? Yeah. How would you navigate that? How would you even, who do you call and say, 
hey, how many more bills are there going to be here? What is what is going on? Can you just tell me what to expect? Yeah. I don't think like anything like that exists. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So getting down to cost. So what, what do you think it cost all in? Give us, give us a number that uh, kind of opened your eyes and said, holy cow, I can't, I can't believe it. Because you said earlier that, hey, I think this is probably going to cost a couple hundred dollars. Like I said, it's a real simple procedure. It's no big deal. Maybe ballpark a couple hundred bucks. What was reality? Yeah. That, by the time it was all said and done, we were right almost touching $4,000 upper threes. I can't remember the exact figure, but yeah, this was, you know, pretty shocking. And, yeah. It's a bit, it's a pretty big difference to just not even be told about it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that was the biggest thing. Um, and again, I would have made the appropriate care decision for my daughter regardless. Right. And would have done best practice, but just going into it totally blind was a, a terrible experience. You know, like we're a family, we operate on, on an income and on a budget. And it's like, how can we plan? How can we, how can we plan for this? You know? So I don't know. I I'm wiser for it. And I suppose that that's a good thing. Um, but it was a, yeah, a costly, uh, education. Yeah. It's just, if somebody would have told you it would make a huge difference just in your, your experience as a patient and as a consumer. Absolutely. If, if uh, the pediatrician had walked us through what, um, what to expect, that would have been great or even informed us that we had options that would have been great. Mm-hmm. Now I did, did a little bit of research, obviously looked at some numbers and while numbers are very, prices are very hard to find on any facility that doesn't build just straight cash. What I'm finding is that tubes and ears can run anywhere from either five to $8,000. Again, it's real squishy on what that is. And what I found out was that the surgeon, the highly skilled medical professional who actually probably cares about their patients quite a lot yep. is taking home a few hundred dollars from that. And the rest of that is baked within these facility fees and supplies and just over just left and right to contribute to a lot of frustration, I guess, on both sides from the consumer and the, the uh, physician side of this. And to me, that is just astounding. The, the difference in numbers between what the surgeon is earning for doing this procedure and what the patient is expected to pay. And in, that's a big disconnect because you're trusting this person to fix the problem and you're trusting the system to have your best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, hey, this kind of sounds like it's business as usual here. So I got to ask for all that money, for everything you spent mm-hmm. to get that procedure done, was it effective? No, unfortunately it was not. Uh, she did not have an ear infection for a couple months, but then she started having them again. And um, we were told that, that it can still happen with tubes. So sit tight, maybe everything is fine. But unfortunately she continued to have them throughout the year. And so here we are coming up on a year since the procedure and we're looking at doing it again, actually, because uh, both tubes uh, were told are out of alignment now and she needs, she needs new ones. So. And from a father's standpoint and from somebody paying the bills, how do you feel about that? Yeah, just, um, I don't know. Yeah. Mis- misled or, um, frustrated, disappointed. Um, I know that, uh, doctors aren't miracle workers. I can't control every health outcome sure. for sure. I have an appreciation for that. And I've got family who are practitioners and providers of, of various kinds. And I have an appreciation for that, but uh, yeah, just 
yeah, frustrated, I guess, is the, is the main thing. So looking at redoing the surgery, what, your, what, what did you do then? Well, that's what, I'm at a decision point right now of where and when. So Now, I know you researched a little bit into direct care and some of these, some of these cash-only surgery centers. What did you find when you looked into that? Yeah, uh, it, it looks like you can get the procedure done for a fraction of what I paid mm-hmm. and insurance isn't involved at all, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looked like around like maybe 1700 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Anywhere from 15 to 1700 is, is, uh, what I was finding as well there. Now, how does that compare to your experience between pricing things out originally of, Hey, this is who we recommend. Go have fun. It's a real simple process versus actually knowing what you do now and going out there and looking for anything that's price sensitivity, obviously assuming the quality is all equal there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which hopefully it's better quality than, and it actually does the job this time. But mm-hmm. your experience shopping with that, what was that like? That's how it should be, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's how we buy most things in our lives. We see a price and we decide if there's enough value there for me to part with my hard-earned money. And it's a much more transparent process. And frankly, it's how I think healthcare should be. It's, it's, it's only... I think fair to operate in that framework instead of the shell game of, Oh, it depends. It varies. We're not going to tell you for the record. I'm not blaming anyone who was involved in this chain of events the whole time. We actually still go to our pediatrician and that individual is a great pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the ENT that we picked is a good ENT and they're just operating under this framework. It's the framework that, that they're in. They can't help that. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of an interesting question that just popped in my mind here. What does your level of trust look like between looking back and going through that process of what you did before when everything was hidden and you're just kind of shepherd long versus going out and looking at different prices and people being able to say, hey, this is what it costs. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. I, like in terms of what did it do to my trust for the the current system and, and being able to find those prices out there. Does that help or hurt your, your oh, trust man. in what the doctors will be doing? It, it greatly increases my trust. I mean, just think about like you walk up to a shop window and one of the shops doesn't have any prices on anything. And they just say, no, 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 come in, come in. We'll talk about how much would you pay for this, this ring or this watch? What is it worth to you? Well, you weren't even asked that question. No, I wasn't even asked that. So <laughs> it's it, you need this ring. Here you go. Let me go yeah, ring you up. You need it. It's a simple ring. Let's go ahead and do it. And uh, this is what we recommend. And it's no big deal. So let's just do it. So yeah, my, I mean, it, it it adds a I don't know a sliminess to the healthcare experience that shouldn't be there. Yeah, that's a that's a know? great description of it. Versus you walk up to a shop window and all the prices are clear, clearly listed and you can go in and look at the quality of the items and and make a decision. Mm-hmm. Now, Ben, what's your advice to someone else who would be potentially in your shoes in the future? Oh man, do your research. Do your research, get a second opinion, explore alternate options. It's hard when you don't know, but... I guess it's just important to like push back on things that you hear. And again, always with your loved ones and the patient's best interests in mind. I feel like that's assumed, right? Right. 
but push back and ask them if there's a cheaper way to, to do this or if there's uh, other options. I was very, very nicely put. Well, Ben, thoughts and prayers uh, go out to your family and Elizabeth, and uh, hopefully you. the second round of uh, this procedure is going to be a little bit more effective than the, than the first one, and hopefully you gain trust back into the system and back in the doctors that are taking care of you and have your, your best interests in mind. Thanks, Chris. Really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. And the more of these stories you know, we shine a light upon, the faster we'll be in a position to make a positive, impactful change. That's it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podchaser, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and colleagues to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at freedomhealthworks.com. 